Chazal tell us that the Be'er, the well, that supplied the Yidin with water in the Midbar, so that well was B'schus Miriam in the merit of Miriam, and this is why immediately after Miriam's passing, the Pasuk says, the people didn't have any water, and in a similar way, we are also told about the Anani HaKoved, about the clouds of glory, that they were B'schus Aaron, and when Aaron passes away, so the Anani HaKoved also go away. Nevertheless, we find that the Be'er, the well, is there even after Miriam passes away. We find that the Anani HaKoved, the clouds of glory, are there even after Aaron passes away, because as Chazal tell us, that Chazru Shneim B'schus Moshe, that both the well and the clouds returned in the schus and the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, what about Rashi? So at first glance, it would seem like Rashi in his Pirush which is learning Pshutish Mikra, is also accepting this view of Chazal. And that is, on the possible that the people don't have any water, Rashi explains, this teaches us that the past 40 years they had the water in the schus of Miriam. So when she passes away, now there's no water for the people. In a similar way, on the possible Vayishma Knani, Rashi says, what did the Kanani hear? He heard that Arin passed away. The Anani HaKavoid had departed. So we see that, again, that it came, obviously, in the Schus of Arin. Nevertheless, we find that in regards to the Be'er, we see clearly that it's there after the passing of Miriam. As it says further in Chumash, by the Ness of Eshed Hanacholim, this is a miracle where the well had brought up the bones and blood of the enemies of the Yidden. <clears throat> so we see clearly that the well was there. We also find Rashi on the words, Rashi explains that this is the place where Moshe passed away. And then the Be'er is completely bottled, there's no more the well. In other words, that clearly after Miriam's passing, we still do have the Be'er until the time that Moshe Rabbeinu passes away. Which makes it sound like Rashi is accepting this idea that the Be'er came back. Hashem brought it back in the schus of Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore it also makes sense that the Anani HaKavod would have also come back in the schus of Moshe because it makes sense to say that the schus of Moshe would have helped not only for bringing back the Be'er, but also for bringing back the Anani HaKavod. Says the Rebbe, the question is, what seems to be surprising is, that in regards to the Be'er, in regards to the well, the Torah tells us clearly how it came back. The people didn't have water. They came and, and they came and they complained to Moshe Rabbeinu, etc. And they quarreled and they fought. And the Abishta says to Moshe, Kachasamata, to take the stick and then to bring forth the water and so on. And finally, the Yidden have water once again from the rock. Whereas regarding the Anani HaKovid, it doesn't seem to say anywhere, neither in Chumash or even in Rashi, how it came back and when it came back. Another thing we need to understand is, just like when the time there was no more water after Miriam passes away, this causes that all the Yidden gather and they start fighting and arguing and complaining that there's no water. Seemingly, when the Anani HaKavid, when the clouds of glory would have left, when Arin passes away, this also should have brought out some unrest and complaining by the Yidden. So why is it that we don't find that the Yidden aren't complaining at the time when the Anani HaKavid go away? Says the Rebbe, seemingly we would be able to explain that Apipshute Shomikra, the Anani HaKavoid, in fact, did not come back after leaving when Arin passes away. And the reason simply would be is because there was no need anymore for these clouds. Why is that? Rashi had explained already earlier 
that the clouds had surrounded the Yidden from all four sides, also from on top and from on bottom. And what this had achieved was, number one, it protected the Yidden so that they're not being scorched by the hot sun, the heat and the sun, etc. They're not being burnt by the heat of the sun. Number two, Rashi also brings that the clouds were shofim b'ksusom, were rubbing their clothes and pressing their clothes. In addition to this, there was another cloud that went ahead to guide them, to show them the way. And of course, there was also the point that the clouds smoothed out the way, smoothing out the mountains and so on, and protecting them from all harmful things. Man miches as Rashi brings, it would flatten the high mountains, it would lift up the low valleys, and also kill out the, scor- the snakes and the scorpions. However, once Arun passes away, then the Yidden don't actually need all of these things that the clouds were doing for them, because Hoir Hohor, the place where Arun passes away, is at the, already at the border of Eretz Edom, it's already at the very, very edge of the desert, very close to places where are, places that are settled, settled, and obviously it's a place since it's no longer in the midst of the desert, so they also don't have the heat and the sun as it is in the Midbar. It'll be much weaker over here. Says the Rebbe, and it's not only because of the place where they are, at the edge of the desert, but also the time of the year when Arin passes away. Arin passes away, that's of. That's very close to the time where generally the heat of the summer is already getting weaker. As we know, as the Gemara says, that at the 15th day of month, of, so now the, the koyach of the sun, the heat of the sun is, is, is weak already. So when we're holding so close to Hamisha Asar Ba'av, it's obviously not that same state of heat that was earlier. And the Rebbe preempts a question. The Rebbe says this is not a contradiction from what Rashi says in the Parshas Noyach. Rashi speaks about the different seasons. And Rashi explains the time of Choyim, the time of heat. Rashi says this is the end of the summer, which is mid of the whole of Elul and, and up until mid Tishrei. Says Rashi that the world at that time is very, very hot. And he brings a Gemara that says, Shilhi Kaito, that the end of the summer is more difficult than the summer itself. So seemingly then, of is a very hot time. But the Rebbe says this is no contradiction. Because over there, as Rashi himself explains the reason, so the whole world is hot. Why is that? Because the air had become heated up already over the whole summer. And the people also went through a very, very you know, hot summer. And therefore, so now at the end of the summer, it's all of that added up together. So now they're feeling much hotter. But the actual heat of the sun itself is becoming weaker at this time of the year, from as we see clearly. And therefore, in our case, since until our rain passes away, again, Rashi said that the summer up until now is what's going to make the end of the summer hotter. But what happened by the Yidden at this point? The clouds were protecting the Yidden from the heat of the sun until our rain passes away. And therefore, we wouldn't say that the whole air was already completely heated up, and especially the people themselves weren't heated up because of the heat of the summer that had just passed. And again, since from Hamisha Asar Ba'av Eilach, the heat of the sun, the shining of the sun, is not with the same strength, therefore they also wouldn't need the, need the Anani HaKavod, so that the heat and the sun doesn't harm them. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, the Yidin also didn't need as much the Anani HaKavod for cleaning their clothes and pressing their clothes, 
Because if there would be the situation where a Yid needs new clothes, we know there's the concept that, the, that their clothes didn't wear out. But if they would have worn out at this point when they're so close to civilization already, so they can now buy new clothes from one of the nearby cities from the Goyim. Also, says the Rebbe, we, they also didn't need as much the miracle that the cloud should show them the way, because once again, they're already in a place where there are paved roads, they're near the, close to the cities and so on. And by the same token, they also don't need the clouds to be killing out the snakes and scorpions again because they're not in the midst of the desert anymore. They're very close to cities and civilizations. Says the Rebbe, again the Rebbe is preempting a question, even though they needed the unknown seemingly, the cloud, to flatten out the mountains, and as Rashi explains in regards to Hor, the mountain where Aaron passed away, Rashi says, that even though there was a cloud going ahead of them and flattening the mountains, nevertheless, there were three mountains that were left over. And we're speaking about Hoyrahar as well as Har Nevoi for the burial of Moshe, from which we see that the cloud seemingly did go along with the Yidden even after Aaron passes away, until the time when they come to Har Nevoi where Moshe passes away. So clearly it sounds like the cloud was there and it just didn't flatten Har Nevoi, but it did flatten the other mountains. So the Rebbe says this isn't such a strong question because B'doichik at least we could have explained that the fact that the cloud flattened, flattened the mountains besides for Har Nevoi does not mean that it happened when the Yidden arrived to that particular mountain. But rather it happened in advance. We know that the cloud went a journey of three days ahead of the Yidden. So it could have been even before Arin passes away, while they still had the clouds, it could have already gone ahead and flattened all the mountains that are going to be necessary to be flattened. Says the Rebbe, this would actually help us understand the order of how Rashi mentions the mountains that weren't flattened out. There's Har Sinai, and Rashi says Har Nevoi, which is where Moshe passed away, and Hoyrahar, where Arin passes away. But according to the sequence, to the order of how things happen, yes, Har Sinai is first, but Har Nevoi should be last, after Hoyrahar. But based on what we just said, according to this Svara, that the cloud would have gone ahead before Aaron passed away, flattened all the other mountains besides Har Nevoi, the Rebbe says we can explain it in the following way. By saying Har Nevoi before Hoyrahar, Rashi is coming to hint to this idea that the fact that the cloud left Harnavoy for the burial of Moshe was not sometime later when the Yidden arrived at Harnavoy, which would be after the passing of Aaron, but rather it's in the same time when it leaves over Hoyrar for the burial of Aaron, meaning it's all before Aaron passes away. So Rashi is sort of hinting this by throwing in Harnavoy, mentioning it even before Hoyrar. So in summary, at this point of the Sikha the Rebbe has been suggesting that possibly because they're already so close to civilization, they don't need the, mount, the clouds anymore, and therefore there are no clouds after Aaron passes away. However, says the Rebbe, in truth, we have to say that the clouds did return and accompany the Yidden even after Aaron passes away. And the Rebbe says a number of points. Number one, Bepashtus, when we speak about the cloud was going ahead of them, to show them the way, it's not only to make sure that they don't get lost in the Midbar, where there are no proper roads, but generally to show them the way, the direction in which Hashem wants them to go. And since after Aaron passes away, there's still quite a number of journeys, they do still need a cloud to show them which direction Hashem wants them to go. Number two, 
Rashi tells us clearly that after Aaron passed away, the Yidden actually went back Derech Yamsuf, on the way of the Yamsuf, Sheva Masois, they took seven journeys back into the direction of the desert. So clearly they're back in the desert. So therefore all the reasons we said before that they wouldn't need the clouds don't apply anymore. Number three, the Rebbe says, the Anonim, the clouds, were protecting the Yidin Osa from war with the Umisoilum with the Goyim. As Rashi had explained by Melchemes HaMalek, where it says, say he lochem Amalek, go out and wage war against Amalek. What does it mean, go out? Rashi explains, say Minonim, go out of the cloud and go fight Amalek. Which tells us that as long as Yidin were surrounded with the clouds, the Goyim were not able to come and fight with them. And as Rashi also explained earlier, that the Anon, the cloud, would absorb all of the chitzim, all of the arrows, all of the stones thrown at them, that the Mitz- when, Mitz- when Mitzrayim was trying to throw things at them. And this is also why, in the story we mentioned before, when Arin passes away, as soon as Arin passes away, what happens? By Yishma Knani, the Knani come along and fight the Yidn, and as Rashi explained, because they, when they saw that there was no Anani HaKovid anymore, they think, that now they have the permission to go and fight the Yidn. So clearly Anani HaKovid are there, to protect the Yidin from war, from wars, and therefore in our case also the Yidin would still need the Ananiya covered <coughs> to protect them from the later wars. Another point, says the Rebbe. The idea of having the cloud by the 42 journeys was not only to show them where to go, but also as Torah tells us at length in Parshas Baaloischa, to tell them also when to go, and how long each one of their campings should be for, and then the travels, which clearly this would have all been necessary in all the uh, further journeys until they actually come into Eretz Yisrael. And finally, point number five, the Rebbe says, most importantly, Rashi tells us in Pasha's Bullock. Now this is clearly after Aaron passes away. This is in the story where the Yidden sinned with the daughters of Moyov, and they're going to be punished, the Pasuk says, What does this mean? So Rashi explains that the sun is going to notify who are the ones that sinned, and how did that happen? The cloud would sort of fold away, would move away from next to that person who had sinned. The sun would shine directly on him, and that's how they knew who actually sinned. So we see that Rashi says clearly that the cloud was there even after Aaron passes away. And the clouds were protecting usually from the sun. And in this particular case, the cloud would move away to allow the sun to shine in. So therefore, we're back to square one. The question is back on, why isn't it mentioned anywhere that the Anani Akovit came back, how they came back, and why it is also, as we said before, why when the Anani Akovit leave, didn't discourse a major upset by the Yidden to complain about it. Says the Rebbe, we're going to understand this all by first looking at a diuk and a change in Rashi's expressions a la Torah when he speaks about the clouds. In a number of places, Rashi refers to the clouds as anane kovid, as clouds of glory. But in a number of places, Rashi just says anonim, just plain clouds, doesn't call them clouds of glory. Says the Rebbe, these two expressions we also find in Medrash Chazal that speak about the seven clouds, that in some Medrash Chazal the Girsa is, Shiva Anonim Hoyu, that there were seven clouds, or a similar expression. And in some places it says, Shiva Anane Kavoid Hoyu, seven clouds of glory, or a similar expression to that.
Now Rashi, in his Pirush Torah, so he writes, Shiva Anonim Ksuvim, there were seven clouds. So clearly when he's speaking about all seven clouds, he's calling them seven clouds, and yet sometimes he's referring to them as clouds of glory. Says the Rebbe, we could explain it in the following way. <coughs> the difference between clouds, just plain clouds and Anani Kovid, we could explain very simply. Anani Kovid, clouds of glory, means, as understood simply, that the whole purpose of these clouds is to bring out the honor of the Bnei Yisrael. That is, there were clouds that were there to protect the Yidin. There were clouds that were there to make sure that the Yidin had all of their basic necessities. Now, obviously, if the clouds are doing this, this clearly would also bring out how much Hashem loves them and the honor and the glory of the Yidin. If Hashem is taking care of them in that way. But nevertheless, these clouds are still supplying and doing a specific job that's absolutely necessary. But then there were clouds that the whole point of them was just covered. It was all there just to show how much honor Hashem is giving to the Bnei Yisrael. From this we understand that not all of the clouds that were accompanying the Yidin are considered Anani covered clouds of glory. That is, the cloud that's going ahead and flattening the mountains or killing the snakes and scorpions, <clears throat> that's not called, that's not one of the Anani HaKovid. Because again, this is doing something that's an absolute necessity to allow the Yidin, to help the Yidin to go through the Midbar. So too the clouds that are protecting them from the heat of the sun or from the Goyim during war. You wouldn't say it's only for the glory of the Yidin, for the honor of the Yidin. Rather, these are also for other absolute necessities and benefits that the Yidin need. And therefore, in some of these places, Rashi uses the word Anonstam, I mean, just plain Anon, because in these cases, it was, it was there for a necessity. It wasn't there just for the honor of the Yidin. And the Rebbe gives examples now. So for example, when it says, <coughs> Go fight Amalek, Rashi said, Go from the cloud. It doesn't say from the cloud of glory. Because again, the cloud would have been separating between the Yidin and going protecting them. But there's a concept of go out of the cloud. Where Rashi speaks about the... Arrows that were thrown at the Yidden. So again, Zerukim Chisim, they threw arrows. It doesn't say Ananakovit, it just says Anon. It speaks about flattening the mountain. So again, this was on the Pasuk, So Rashi says that even though there was a cloud going ahead of them and flattening the mountains, nevertheless it left a few mountains as we said before. But which term does Rashi again use? And when we said before about when the Yidden sinned, and the cloud would fold over and allow the sun to shine. Again, Rashi uses the term Ha'onon Nikpal. And finally, in the story of Amalek, of those that were lagging behind, the, the ones that were weak and behind the Yidden, etc. So, and the Amalek was able to attack them. So what does Rashi say over there? Shahaya Ha'onon Poilton. The cloud had sort of spat them out and put them out of the cloud. So again, it's, it's in a situation where it's protecting them from the Goyim, and certain people, certain Yidin, were thrown out. Whereas the clouds that departed, when Arin passed away, what do we say over here? What went away? Nistalku anane kovoi. The clouds of glory went away. That means not all the clouds went away, only those clouds that were there, particularly only for the honor of the Yidin. But not the clouds that were there for the basic necessities of the Yidin. 
And in fact, the Anani Kavri that left when Ari passed away, they in fact did not come back. And now we can also understand simply why the Yidin cannot come and complain. We don't find them complaining when the Anani Kavoid go away. As they did complain when the well stopped producing the water. Because again, this is not something that they needed for their basic necessities. So again, what the Rebbe is saying is that out of the clouds of the Yidin, some of them were necessary. And they're not called Anani Kavoid. And they, in fact, did stay after Aaron passed away. What left was the Anani Kavi, the ones that were just there to show extra honor for the Yidin. With this, the Rebbe says, we could actually answer a question. Rebbe Leo Mizrahi, one of the Mepharshi Rashi, asked the following question. Since there were clouds from all four sides, and one on top and one on bottom, and we know that a sukkah is supposed to be similar to the clouds, as Rashi himself says, on the Pasuk, he says, Anani Kavoid. So the question is, a sukkah, asks the Mizrahi, should have also have to have Echod Mulmailo, one on top, one on bottom, and four from all four sides, whereas we know that the halacha is, you actually only need two walls. And then a third wall, that's just a tefach wide, why don't we need the full amount similar to the clouds? The Rebbe says, we can even add to this question, why don't we make a zeichet to that seventh cloud that went ahead of the Yidin? But based on what we said, Says the Rebbe, it's very understood. The zecher that we are making is for the Anani covered for the clouds of glory. <coughs> Again, this means those clouds that were there only for the honor of the Yidden. Not that was there for the necessities of the Yidden. The cloud that went ahead of them, and so too some of the other clouds that were around them, also needed to make sure and take care of the basic necessities of the Yidden as we explained. And therefore, the walls around the sukkah is not going to be the same amount of Anani HaKavi that they had. Especially, the Rebbe says that there could have actually been changes with the amount of clouds that were needed as a basic necessity, and which ones were Anani HaKavi during the various different journeys. That means that, for example, in a certain journey, when they didn't need protection on a certain side... L'choyer, that means over here, both protection from the sun as well as protection from the enemies. So then when there's a cloud on that side, that's considered anana kavit. That's only there then for the honor of the Yidin. Whereas some of the other ones that are necessary at the time, they are going to be considered just plain anonym. Says the devil, with this we can also explain a diuk in the Rashi that we mentioned earlier. It says, Vayishma Knani, the Knani heard, what did he hear? Shinestalko anana kavit, that the clouds of glory had departed. And he thinks, he thinks now he has permission to fight against the Yidin. Seemingly, Rashi should have said something bigger than that. Rashi should have said, not that he has permission to fight against the Yidin, he should have said, he now has the ability to fight against the Yidin, and permission. In other words, since Yidin before were surrounded by the clouds, it was impossible to fight against the Yidin. So it should have... It should have said, now he hears that he has the ability to attack the Yidin. Says the Rebbe, but based on what we said, it's actually understood. Even after the Anani HaKovid were no longer there, we say that the Ananim that were necessities for the Yidin were still there. So the cloud that would be, would be there to protect the Yidin from war was still there. So what does the Kanani think? That since since the extra clouds are gone, the honor is gone. 
Meaning, Hashem is not showing so much honor to the Yidin anymore. That would seem to indicate that now he has permission to go and fight the Yidin. Hashem is, so, so to speak, not so satisfied with the Yidin anymore. As far as ability to fight them, because of the other clouds, well, that not, not, nothing changed from before. Just like it would have been difficult before, the same thing will be difficult now. Ah, you're going to say, then how is he even trying to fight a war if they're being protected by the cloud? So the Rebbe says, In this particular detail, the chutzpah that the Kanani had actually led him to, a, to an absolute shtus, to something acting in a very, very foolish way. He also could have figured that maybe the Yidin will go out of the cloud to go and fight with him. Especially based on what Rashi said earlier, that the Kanani over here is really Amalek. And Amalek had experience from before already fighting with the Yidin, those that were expelled from the cloud. And we also know about Amalek that even when the rest of the Goyim were afraid to start up with the Yidin, Amalek is the one that jumps in and, 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 and fights with the Yidin, like the person jumping into the hot bath even though he's burnt. And therefore Amalek slash Knani over here once again is trying to start up with the Yidin in a way where he's just going to jump into it, notwithstanding the fact that the Yidin are being protected by the Anun. But what he thought was, and not the ability, the ability didn't change. What he thought was that, that he has more reshus now because Hashem removed the cover, the honor, and therefore maybe Hashem is not protecting the Yidin in that way any much. He doesn't have the same sort of love to the Yidin as before. The Rebbe now again preempts another question. The Rebbe says we could ask a question. This difference that we're saying between Anani HaKovid and plain Anonim, says the Rebbe we could ask, Rashi had said earlier, Rashi says, that I think it's later actually, sorry. Rashi says that the Anani Kavoid, I believe it's in Pasha's Ekev. Rashi says that these Anani Kavoid, they would rub the clothes and press the clothes. And also says Rashi, the little children, as they would grow, the clothes would grow along with them. Now, both of these ideas that Rashi seems to be saying about the Anani Kavoid, are regarding things that are part of the necessities of a person. It's not just honor. A person does need clothes, clean clothes, and the clothes growing, etc. So why is Rashi in that case also calling it Anani HaKavid? In truth, however, says the Rebbe, it's not a question at all. Why? Because first of all, this idea that we're saying that the little children, as they grew, the clothes grew, or grew along with them, so simply... This is actually not part of what we're saying that Anani HaKavi did. Because what connection with the fact that their clothes are growing with them have anything to do with Anani HaKavi? Rather, Rashi, when he's speaking about the general idea of clothes, of how it worked with the clothes of the Yidin in the Midbar, so Rashi is telling us about another miracle that happened that the clothes grew along with them, and but it has nothing to do with the clouds. That just has to do with their own bodies. And as Rashi says... In that Rashi, where Rashi speaks about this, Rashi says, like the shell or the clothing of a snail that grows along with it. And the reason why Rashi is bringing it in continuation to the idea of the Anani Akavoid cleaning their clothes is simply because otherwise you could have a very, very obvious question. It's all very nice and well that the adults are able to continuously wear the same clothes because their clothes aren't being worn out and the clouds are cleaning them, etc. But what about the little children clearly cannot be wearing as they're growing older those clothes that they wore as little children. 
So therefore, Rashi tells us immediately that Hashem showed him another nest, that the clothes grew along with them. Now, what about the fact that the Anani Yaakovit cleaned their clothes? And why is it that we said seemingly it's a necessity? So why is Rashi calling it Anani Yaakovit? It says that it actually was not a necessity. Because even without the Anani Yaakovit, the Yidin in the Midbar could have managed to clean their clothes, to rub their clothes, to press their clothes in the regular way, without a miracle. The Rebbe says, similar to the concept of Simlos Choloi Bolso, the fact that their clothes did not wear out. This also wasn't an absolute must. It wasn't a nest that they absolutely had to have. Because the Yidin could have gotten new clothes in other ways. Either from the many clothes that they took along with them when they left Mitzrayim, or taking from the wool of the sheep that they had, they had lots of cattle with them and sheep with them, or buy clothes from every once in a while when they passed by different places, different cities and so on. So therefore, in a similar way, they could have also cleaned their clothes. Now the fact that the clouds nevertheless went ahead and rubbed and and pressed their clothes, and because it's not a necessity, it's just to sort of help the Yid not have to have extra little bother, so that itself is the ultimate sign of true covered, true honor, how much Hashem loves and honors the Yidin by even providing this service, so to speak, of taking care of their clothes, even though it wasn't a necessity, and that's why, of course, it's called Anani HaKovit. Says the Rebbe, what we still need to understand is, um, since Rashi says that Botlo HaBe'er, that, the, the Be'er was finally completely gone when Moshe Rabbeinu passes away. It seems to be that Rashi is accepting this idea that when the well had come back after Miriam was in the schus of Moshe, as we said earlier. So why then do the Ananiya Kavoid not come back in the schus of Moshe? We just finished saying in this whole sicha that the regular clouds never left. The Ananiya Kavoid that left when Aaron passed away don't come back. There's no necessity for them. But why don't they come back in the schus of Moshe? Says the Rebbe, the explanation is as follows. According to Pshut Mikra, everything that the Yidin get through Moshe is different to the things that they get in the schus of Aaron and Miriam. By Aaron and Miriam we're saying that the Yidin are getting the clouds of glory or the water in the schus of such great people like Aaron and Miriam. With Moshe it's different. Moshe being the faithful shepherd of the Yidin makes sure that the Yidin have everything that they need. And when they... And when they need it. In other words, it's not about the schus of Moshe. Moshe ensures that the Yidin have everything they need. It says that Rebbe, according to this, is very gishmak that we see that this idea that Moshe takes care of the Yidin, their needs, and it's not, as we said, a matter of schus. When you say a matter of schus, so when the person whose schus, everything was in, passed away, so now those things are gone. But rather, Moshe Rabbeinu, he as the Raya Namud is giving them things, it's in a way that he's making sure that he ensures that they have these things even after he passes away. Either that they don't need those, either, either that they have those things, or there's a situation where they don't need those things anymore. And the Rebbe explains. Even though we said yes, when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, the Be'er stops producing this water, but it's only because the Yidin don't need the water anymore, because they're already standing at the Yardin. And so too regarding the man, Rashi says that when Moshe Rabbeinu passes away in Zion Ador, the man stops coming down. But the Yidin still continue benefiting from the man and eating from the man that they got on Zion Ador all the way until the 16th day of Nisan, more than a month later, when they bring the Oimer 
in Eretz Yisroel, and they now start having the grain of Eretz Yisroel. <laughs> Says the Rebbe, from this we have a very powerful lesson in regards to the Nesia Yisroel in every single generation, that even after their passing, when Be'ene Basar, we don't see the Ashpah in an open and revealed way. Like the man, after the passing of Moshe, you have a look in the world and you don't see that man coming, is coming down. Nevertheless, there's a famous klal about Nesia Yisroel, that Yipardu, they don't separate from their flock. And not only because of the idea of Afkan Oymedu Mishamish Mimorim that he's right now also still doing for us up in heaven, but that's something that we cannot see be any boss necessarily. But rather, says the Rebbe, that the actual pu'ulis, the actual things that they had accomplished for Yidin during their lifetime continue to go on. And we continue to benefit from them even after the passing from this physical world. So the Rebbe, this has a special connection with the Chag of my father-in-law, of the free Yidik Rebbe, of Yudbez Yud Gimel Tammuz, which falls out in many years, and also the year that Rebbe is saying the Sikha in the week of Shabbos Parshas Chukas, getting the bracha from that Shabbos, because this idea is specifically noticeable in the Geula of the Rebbe. The Rebbe says we see clearly how the Nitzachin and Geula of Yudbez Yud Gimel Tammuz back then had an effect that even in that country, referring to Russia, there should be the strengthening of Torah and spreading of Yiddishkeit, etc. And how that's a pu'ula nimshechah, that's something that's an ongoing pu'ula, ad till this very day. This had set up, says the Rebbe, three generations of Yidin of Shoimrei, Torah, Mitzvah, in that country. Which as we know, once there's three generations, as Torah Paskins, once you have yourself, your children, and your children's children, it's forever and ever. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, we see that even those people, that for a number of generations, Rahman al-Islam were torn away from Torah and Yiddishkeit because of the terrible conditions in that country. Nevertheless, even they benefit and get from the pu'ula of the gula again up until the, this day, that right now it's being ma'ayr them with a tnuah of tshuva that they return to a life of Torah and Yiddishkeit. Says Rebbe, and through the fact, through the, when we go ahead and we'll do properly in the pu'ula of the Chagagula, to strengthen Torah and Yiddishkeit and to spread them, including also being Shazman Groma, spreading chsidis, hafatzama yonish chutzah. This will bring kaasi mardom alka meshicha, b'meheir avi amenu, amen.